So uh, Shabbat Shuvah, it is the um, uh, uh, first uh, Shabbat of the year, okay? Uh, and uh, it is the Shabbat between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Of course, the theme is repentance, right? A return to the Lord, a setting of priorities, a remembrance of our calling, all the things we've been talking about uh, over Rosh Hashanah. And so uh, we need to continue these themes as we continue uh, this uh, as we continue this journey. Uh, today we're going to be having Messiah's table also, and that is very appropriate to do uh, uh, on a Shabbat uh, like this, encountering God in a unique way, identifying uh, uh, with the Messiah. And so I'll just say that if you uh, I don't think, I don't see, uh, there's not very many people up at a balcony, but if you're in the balcony and you want to participate in Messiah's table, you need to come down and find a seat in a pew, all right? That would be really helpful, all right? Uh, and, uh, and, and there you go. Uh, so uh, on, this, uh, on this day and during this time of year, the goal is for us truly to encounter Messiah Yeshua, to encounter him in a new way, to be transformed uh, we may be people who pray regularly and read the Bible all the time, uh, but on this uh, uh, day and during this season, we're especially for drilling down on it. We're especially focused on it, uh, and I hope that we are. I hope uh, that the holidays are not just simply holidays, getting through this time of year, you know, and that kind of thing, but that uh, we really do desire to I uh, live differently uh, to return to the Lord. Uh, and so it is interesting, as we said on Rosh Hashanah, that's what God uh, does, uh, is that he says, here are certain times of year that I want you to focus on these things. And this is one of those times of a year. Okay. Now, as Messiah followers, there's always this tension. I, I, for me, it's like an... In a little bit of an internal tension uh, when we come to these uh, uh, days. Why? Uh, because uh, on one hand, uh, we look forward to a glorious future. Uh, we look forward to the day of redemption. In fact, the uh, Haftorah readings for today, uh, from Joel, from uh, Hosea, uh, and elsewhere, uh, are all about that future day. You, you know, uh, uh, the 14th chapter of Hosea, uh, a portion of the second chapter of Joel, which is very interesting because uh, in the second chapter of Acts, Peter quotes not the Haftorah portion for today, but what's right next to it. So it's kind of, kind of interesting. Uh, and, uh, and, and so there's that. Okay, as Messiah followers, we know that Yeshua is returning. We know that there is a glorious future, uh, and it is important that we focus on it. It's important that we remember it and not put it on the back burner, and it's only about today. No, uh, there's a number of places in the Bible, uh, and in the New Covenant, and in the words of Yeshua, and in every single uh, letter in the New Covenant, and in all the prophets, and in the Torah, that point to the future. So it's important to think about the future. It's important to think about the consummation, and it's important to know that this is not all there is, and that there is uh, uh, something else uh, indeed coming. 
Uh, and I would suggest that Moses understood this, and that is why he could be confident, uh, even in the fact that he was not the person bringing the people into the land. Moses understood it wasn't about him. I mean, it's a huge truth. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about, hey, I brought the people into the land. Look how God used me, right? Uh, no. I, uh, now, he did ask God. He, ha- he had a uh, wrestle with God over that a little bit. But he came to terms with it, that Joshua was going to be the one leading the land. Listen, if I was writing the Torah, and I was the one laying all this out, I would have Moses, what a great climax to the whole thing. I would have Moses leading the people into the land, and then dying at a ripe old age when all the people are settled in the land. The end. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, clearly, uh, that's how the story should end. But uh, the Torah ends, the book of Deuteronomy ends, where the people are still uh, on the plains of Moab, and Moses is dead. <laughs> you know? Uh, and it's not until we get to Joshua that uh, the people en- enter the land. Uh, but Moses understood that there was indeed a future. We'll see that in the uh, next week, in Deuteronomy 32. Uh, and he's already mentioned it in, in uh, the 30th chapter of, uh, of uh, Deuteronomy, when he talks about, you'll return, and you know, I'll give you a circumcised heart. And so he knew that there was indeed a future, and so he could see beyond his personal horizon. And that allowed him to die in peace, knowing that he had fulfilled his calling, you know, uh, and dying with the hope of a God, a major, a major truth. So we look forward uh, to that uh, future of the promise of God. And then, though, there is another, uh, another side of it, and that is the present reality uh, of a portion of that today, right? We experience a portion of that today. Israel's future today, right? The forgiveness of sins, the the indwelling of the Ruach, the empowerment to live godly, to demonstrate the reality of the uh, of the glory of God, and and to give people who are living in this life today a glimpse of the future in a physical kind of way by our very presence and the way that we conduct ourselves amongst ourselves and uh, in the uh, and in the world around us. So you have this, like this tension when we read these passages. Do I focus on the present hope or, or do I focus on the future? Or do I have to talk about the future in light of the present hope? And, uh, you know, which, which way do we go on this? Uh, and so, I, I, we have this uh, present reality. And so, uh, the fact is, is that there is a tension. Uh, but by our lives, like, so, so there's these two poles. There is the present reality uh, of the uh, uh, coming of the Messiah, and then there's the glorious future. Uh, I don't think any of us would say we're living the glorious future. We're, we're navigating through this life, right? Having an assurance of salvation, the forgiveness of sins. But we have tsuris. We have problems. We get sick. We make wrong decisions. We pay the price of it. We all... All of us, you know, uh, and uh, very, very, very important uh, uh, for us, uh, you know, to understand. And, uh, and so 
Uh, hopefully, though, by the way that we navigate through this life, by the way that we conduct ourselves, we bring the two poles a little closer together, you know? Uh, that, wow, the way I live my life, or, or, or perhaps the way people see us, knowing the issues in our life and see how we're able to stay above the fray, how we are able to navigate through the issues of our life with a faith and a trust in God, that it brings that future a little bit closer, you know, and, uh, and, and people uh, can, can see that. All right, so, you know, first of all, uh, recognize this. We're not the first people to live with this tension. We're not the first people to live with this tension as believers. No, 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 no. Uh, you know, uh, our ancestors, the Israelites, certainly uh, the Jewish people who dwelt in the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, lived with this tension also. How did they live with this tension? Because when the children of Israel went into captivity, okay, uh, here they're, they're out of the land, right? This is what Moses is actually talking about in, at the end of this chapter, this week's Torah, and, and next week's uh, Torah portion. You're living outside of the land, but recognize that living outside of the land, God has not rejected you. And then you can repent right there in Babylon. You can belong to God right there in Babylon or wherever you may be. Remember that there is no such thing. I'm going to say this. The ten lost tribes of Israel is an urban legend. Okay? Uh, it is not true. It's, it's, it's not real. Right? And think of all the strange doctrine that's coming out of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, that that has spawned over hundreds of years. But it's simply not true. Uh, okay, so remember that. So wherever uh, the Jewish people uh, may, uh, may have been outside of the land, okay, they could repent. Very important to know. By the way, oh, why do I do this? By the way, you know when James writes his letter, who's he writing to? The 12 tri the, the tribes that are abroad, you know, so he must kind of know where people are. They're not lost, right? Uh, and uh, like when you read uh, uh, about Anna, uh, the one who's in the temple, she's from one of those lost tribes. But she must have stumbled her way, on her way back and, and you know, and just um, accidentally uh, showed up uh, back there in, in uh, Jerusalem, right? Okay. So wherever the Jewish people have been to this very day, but wherever the Jewish people were in the, in the exile, in the Babylonian captivity, as we call it in that period of time, wherever they were, they could repent. And if they repented, it would be like, well, I'm kind of like back in the land, but I'm not in the land. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in captivity. But God, uh, internally, it's as if I'm in Yerushalayim. It's as if I'm in Jerusalem. Uh, and, uh, and so the name that we use for uh, people in that situation is called exile. They're in exile, right? When Israel was in exile, out of the, out of the land. Uh, and, uh, and so we could use that term uh, as well. Uh, we could use that term exile uh, as a word to describe uh, uh, where we're at. We could say that we are a people in exile, right? Uh, we're not in the Olam Haba. 
We're not in the, uh, we're not in the world to come. We're living in uh, a world of darkness. We could say, as we know, as Messiah followers, the Bible says we've been transferred uh, from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son, right? That's in the first chapter of Colossians in the 13th verse. We've been transferred from the, king, from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son, but we're living in a dark world. We're in exile. We're not in, the, we're not at the place where our destiny is leading us. We're not there yet. So we're light in the darkness. Don't we read that everywhere? Right. We're light in the darkness. Uh, and, uh, and so it's important uh, to understand that, uh, that uh, we still live in this exile. Even in this exile, though, God has not forgotten us. When we embrace Yeshua, we've returned to God. We've either come to God or we've returned to God. Yes, but we are all, but we are not all the way back. That's why you have these great passages like in the New Covenant, this is just one of many, uh, in Romans chapter 8, right? Uh, where uh, we read here, For I consider the sufferings of this present time uh, are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Right? Paul says that very bluntly. There are sufferings of the present time. Right? I, wait a minute, you're a believer in Messiah. Why are there sufferings of the present time? Don't you have enough faith? Or are those sufferings not real? Maybe those aren't real sufferings. You just think they're suffering. But if you live by faith, you wouldn't really be suffering. Well, I don't know, Paul's pretty good, you know, when it comes to being a faithful person. I, I wouldn't mind having him as my role model, you know what I mean? So he says, the sufferings of this present time are not, to be worthy to, are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So we live with this tension. We live with this tension of living in exile, of living with suffering. Okay? Later on down, he says this. If you look at verse uh, 23 uh, or 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Yes, even we ourselves, uh, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan because we're looking forward uh, to that day. Another way of saying that is we're still in exile. When we're in exile, we're susceptible to the wiles of the nations. We're susceptible to uh, the varieties of cultures, temptations, and everything else, you know, that, uh, that we have to be careful of uh, in, our, uh, in our walk uh, with the Lord, right? Uh, we have to be careful of, uh, of assimilation. We have to be careful of assimilation. Uh, you know, when, when I'm uh, teaching uh, the, uh, the, the kids uh, for their uh, Bar Bat Mitzvah, Bar Bat Avraham training, uh, we talk about Jewish history. And, but we talk about it in a particular kind of way. It's not just facts and figures. Uh, but what are the people going through and what are they thinking, right? So uh, we actually come to a place where we ask a question. I ask uh, like sort of a rhetorical question a thought question that we talk about for, for a while. Is it better 
to be a subjugated people being made to live in ghettos where we're constantly reminded that we're not like everybody else or the Enlightenment, you know, uh, to be free, to go to the university and to uh, live in whatever part of the city uh, we may want to live in and, and dress like everybody else. Uh, is that better for us in the long run? Or is it better to live in the ghetto? That is a tough question. I'm not asking for an answer here, okay? I'm just saying that is a tough question, okay? Because uh, for us, we don't want to assimilate. And there is a real uh, desire, or it's almost like, frankly, the, the woman of wisdom and the woman of folly. You know, the reason that women are used, by the way, for these, uh, there's this enticement. Which way are we going to go? You know, if I can assimilate and, and life is easier for me, maybe that's the better way to go, you know? Uh, and as Messiah followers, we have that issue, not only as uh, in, physically, uh, you know, as Jewish people in the Jewish community, you know, living, uh, living in this world, but a spiritual uh, 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 assimilation, right? Uh, uh, idolatry, our, our lifestyle, and, and things of that nature, is it... Uh, uh, do we look for, as Messiah followers, what is the best way for me to relate to everybody else? Oh, then I must be like everybody else so that I can relate to everybody else, right? Uh, I'm going to suggest that that is not uh, necessarily the case, right? That we ourselves have to be careful of idolatry. We have to be careful of a variety of lifestyles that, that, that are not right, that we justify varieties of things, you know, just the, just the way that we carry ourselves in the culture. I'm not even thinking about extremes, but just the way that we live our lives. Is there anything different about us? Is there just anything different? Uh, or is it I have to give people a gospel tract, then they'll know there's something different, you know? But is there something different in my speech? Is there something different in my deportment? Is there something different in, in my ethic uh, or in my morals or in what I find humorous or in what I enter, get entertained by? Uh, is there anything different about me? We need to ask that question. And this is a great time of year to do that uh, and, and ask ourselves, uh, you know, in exile, am I becoming more and more like a Babylonian? You know, uh, or am I, uh, or am I not? I, uh, now that doesn't mean that we have to uh, move out to the middle of nowhere and form communes uh, or anything like that. People do that, you know, extremes, extremes, always dealing in extremes. No, we're called to make a difference in our community, but not just be a part of whatever is in the community. We need to be able to speak into it. And to speak into it, you have to live on the margins, okay? Very, very important. So I, I would say, even for us, we have, as a, as a messianic community, it's always like this complicated double, triple whammy for us. And what I mean by that is, so we, we think to ourselves, right? Well, it's important for us to be part of the Jewish community. So we need to be as um, non-aggressive as possible when it comes to Yeshua, because we don't want to be offensive. 
And are we doing things exactly in a right way? Uh, so that we're, uh, so, you know, so, so that you really can't tell the difference between us and, and uh, maybe a reformed uh, congregation, a reformed congregation. Is that really what our goal is? I don't think so. Okay? So it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of seichel. It takes a lot of understanding, common sense, uh, and discernment to understand that and to make sure that we're not keeping our light under a bushel and that we're uh, not assimilating even amongst, our, <laughs> even amongst ourselves as in a spiritual assimilation. How important it is for us to be that salt. How important it is for us to be that light. Uh, and, uh, and how important it is for not to assimilate spiritually. Certainly not, and we don't want to assimilate uh, physically either. But very important that we think about issues of lifestyle and idolatry. You know, in Leviticus 18, without turning there, uh, in the first five verses, uh, what does Moses tell the children of Israel? Don't be like the Egyptians, where you came from, and don't be like the Canaanites, where you're going. But be like me. Be like me. Live my way. Okay? And that is indeed what God calls us. Uh, uh, to do. Uh, another issue that happens to us in exile that goes along with assimilation is a loss of purpose and meaning. Like, what is our real meaning? What is our, why are we here? Are we here uh, so that we could say a good time was had by all? Are we here just to, uh, this is the, uh, like the DMZ for, uh, for us, the demilitarized zone? If anybody remembers any of that, uh, that uh, uh, this is the safe place for us as the army of God. You know, nothing can happen here, right? I, I, what are we here? I, well, uh, may I suggest uh, we are here to be a place uh, to demonstrate the reality of Yeshua, the, the Messiah of Israel, uh, that, that uh, Yeshua is... Uh, the Messiah of Israel, uh, and demonstrating that in the way that we live and the way that we conduct ourselves, and a place, therefore, for Jewish believers and anybody else to be able to come and live Jewishly as a Messiah follower, and, therefore, and to manifest that to the world around us. That's why people wonder, well, why are you located here? Why aren't you, like, in uh, West Jefferson? Nothing wrong with West Jefferson. Why aren't we, I don't want to say Grove City, but, uh, you know, why aren't we in Grove City, right? Why? Because we, we want to be where uh, there is a, a Jewish community, right? We could be in Bexley. Uh, that, that would be very acceptable. But this is where we are. Uh, I, and this is kind of, this corridor is kind of uh, where we've been for many, many years. And so very important for us not to lose that purpose and meaning, okay? Now, something that can happen to us, more individually than communally, but communally as well, when uh, we're living in exile, is a sense of that, uh, that God has hidden his face from us. It, it, there's actually the, the hiddenness of God, the hidden face of God. It's, it's like a whole Jewish theological teaching about the hidden face of God. Uh, and what, what happens to us in exile. And, and uh, sometimes in exile, especially individually, if we place ourselves 
completely in exile. What I mean by that is we place ourselves completely in exile when we say, I'm not a joiner, or I don't want to be part of a community, and I'm just going to do my own thing, me and God. That is not a good place to be, okay? Because then we're completely in exile. We need each other to remind ourselves about all these things. And that even in exile, we have to live in a community so it, it feels like we're back in the land. See? And so I guess you could say our exile is uh, before the land. Uh, the ancient historical exile is after the land and looking forward to going back. We're just looking forward to the future, right? Uh, and, uh, and so very important that we don't feel isolated Isolation from other Messiah followers causes us to feel isolated from God. Because uh, oftentimes we feel the presence of God in the community, through the relationships that we have in the community. That's why we're called the body of Messiah, right? The body of Messiah. Very, very important. But see, these are the things that can happen, but that don't have to happen when we live in exile. And there's just a, a couple of passages. Uh, so in Isaiah chapter 30, Isaiah 30 says this, Woe to the rebellious children, declares the Lord, who execute a plan but not mine, and make an alliance but not of my spirit, in order to add sin to sin, who proceed down to Egypt without consulting me, to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh and seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Right? It kind of sounds like Psalm 91. It kind of sounds like rather than taking shelter and refuge in God, I'm taking shelter and refuge in Egypt. And it's like, woe to the rebellious children that execute a plan, except it's not mine, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and so there, there we are. Very important. In exile, for us to not rely on Egypt, right? But to uh, rely on God. And isn't it interesting, it says in this very same chapter in the 18th verse, Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice, how blessed are all those who long for him. By this an unusual thing, he longs to be gracious to you. He waits uh, you know, on us. Uh, and so living in exile, we definitely don't have to be alone. Uh, another place, uh, and you can read it on your own, I don't want to take the time, is Ezekiel chapter 16. You know, Ezekiel 16 is a very long chapter, and it's a sordid chapter. It's an unpleasant uh, chapter. It starts with uh, God reminding the people about how he found them and how he saved them and he took care of them and how glorious they were. Uh, but then it says in uh, Ezekiel 16, 15, that they trusted in their own beauty. They trusted in their own beauty, and, and you became a harlot. And, and that's oftentimes how idolatry is explained, as a harlotry, right? Uh, and then in chapter 16, in verse 22, it says, you forgot who you were. You forgot who you were. These are all the things that, that happen in, in exile, okay? But then you come all the way to verse 60, 60. There's a lot of verses in between you forgot who you were in verse 22 and verse 60. And it's really very unpleasant, all those verses in between. But the first verse, the first word in verse 60 is, 
Nevertheless, nevertheless, I will not forget my covenant with you. Nevertheless. See? And so God is always uh, available to us. Always. And one last place you can, uh, you can uh, write down is Jeremiah chapter 9. In Jeremiah chapter 9, he says, you, even though you're circumcised, you're uncircumcised. Meaning, you've assimilated. You're like everybody else. And that's what Ezekiel is saying. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. You're like everybody else. What would he be saying to us? What would he be saying to our, our, our Jewish community? And what would he be saying uh, uh, to us? Uh, and so, uh, you know, we may have been living in Babylon so long, we don't even realize it uh, anymore, right? And so uh, we uh, have a, a, a responsibility to get it right, to, to repent, to return, even in this, uh, even in this exile. And so that is an important thought in mind. And we're going to pause right here with that in mind. And uh, I'm going to ask those who are uh, serving Messiah's table to come on up. Uh, and we're going to have Messiah's table right in the middle of all this. Okay? Uh, and so it's important that we be thinking about ourselves in this. Right? Come right up. Right? Right now. Good. Uh, and, uh, and we uh, have an opportunity to have Messiah's table. Now, Messiah's table is one of these moments where, yes, we're remembering our Passover and we're thankful to God. So on one hand, it's a very joyous moment. But on the other hand, it's kind of a sobering moment, right? Uh, because uh, it's a time for us to engage the Lord. So what we're going to do uh, is we're going to take a few moments uh, and we'll distribute the matzah and the cups but while we're doing that, this is a time for personal reflection and uh, of, of uh, repentance and asking the Lord for forgiveness and, uh, and maybe some of these things that we've been talking about, okay? Uh, and then enough time will go by that when, we're all, when, we, all have, when we all have the elements, uh, we'll take another few moments to pray uh, and then we'll partake together. Uh, and hopefully it will give us a... a uh, a real sense of renewal, because when we have Messiah's table, it's not, here are extremes. We're not into extremes. You ever notice that when here we're not into extremes, right? One extreme is it's just this symbolic thing. It's, it's just a symbol uh, pointing to the Lamb of God. The other extreme is it's actually the body and the blood of the Messiah. Okay, we're not in either of those places, all right? Uh, we're kind of in a place where uh, it is uh, bread, it is matzah, it comes out of a box, and we broke it up in little pieces, okay? It is matzah and, uh, you know, and, and grape juice, okay? But in the, in the action of it, in the action of it, the presence of God is in our midst in a, in a way that you really can't explain, Okay? Uh, and, and so it is kind of like a holy time. And may it be a wonderful moment on Shabbat Shuvah, uh, indeed of repentance. Okay. Now, I, uh, uh, if you're here today and, and you're not quite sure who Yeshua is or what's going on, you can let it pass by. That's fine. Okay. And even if you're a Messiah follower and you just feel like there's, I'm just, there's something there and I'm not comfortable, you can let it pass by 
uh, also, okay? Uh, but it is a wonderful opportunity of a transaction on Shabbat Shuvah uh, for us to affirm our trust and faith in the body and blood of Messiah Yeshua who has forgiven our sins. And we need to always remember, that's why we can sing with joy on Shabbat Shuvah. Because we know that Messiah has indeed forgiven us. Yet, it's important for us to confess our sins and have that transaction. See? We should never say, Yeshua died for all my sins, past, present, and future. Uh, and so, therefore, whatever I do, it's forgiven. That is not what we're supposed to get out of that. Okay? It's more like, yes, he died for my sins and he rose from the dead. And whenever I sin, I know that when I confess my sins, he receives me and he dwells in me and I know that I belong to him. But if we want to have fellowship with God, we need to confess our sins. Okay? Uh, and, uh, and never, you know, take that uh, uh, lightly. And so this is just a good moment for us uh, to engage uh, in that on Shabbat uh, uh, Shuva. May we who live in exile remember who we are. May we who live in exile not be assimilated. May we who live in exile be committed to the King, Messiah Yeshua. Uh, let's pray and we'll distribute the elements uh, and then we'll partake together. Lord God, uh, thank you for uh, moments like this that even in exile we can kind of be in the land. Lord, uh, I, I pray, God, uh, for us uh, indeed uh, today, Lord, uh, that uh, we would right now draw closer to you, that we might repent, return, uh, shuv, turn around uh, from uh, uh, forgetting who we are to remembering who we are, to turning away from ways that cause us to assimilate Lord, and we might we know what they are in our own lives, whatever it might be, Lord. But may we uh, recommit ourselves to you, God, our King, and live your way and manifest your kingdom in this life and in this world. May we truly live Israel's future today. We pray in Messiah's name. So as we repent, as we return, as we remember who we are and living in exile, yet at the same time, uh, living uh, a, a life uh, uh, of, of richness in the Lord at the same time, uh, may we have a renewed sense of meaning and a zeal uh, for uh, uh, the Lord. And uh, I just want to finish with one, uh, one thing from uh, the book of Acts. You know, in the third chapter of uh, Acts, Peter gives another speech, and I'm just going to read a verse from it. And then this other speech, he's, kinda, he's trying to explain to them, they're seeing like miraculous things take place, yet it's still the same world. The Romans are still the Romans, yet the uh, miraculous things are taking place. Why does this happen? And he's going to explain this issue of this tension between the now and the future. And he says one thing that I want to read here. Believe me, we'll read all the things that he says uh, soon. Uh, but uh, he says here in, the, in verse 19, this is his word to the Jewish people. Okay, In verse 19 of Acts chapter 3, 
Repent, therefore, and return, that your sins may be wiped away, in order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Yeshua, the Messiah, appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his prophets, his holy prophets, from ancient times. And so, he says, uh, repent so that the future might come, right? Repent so that the future might come. Paul follows up on this uh, in uh, Romans uh, chapter 11, uh, when he says this. Okay, when he says, Now if their transgression be riches for the world, in other words, rejecting the Messiah, and their failure be riches for the Gentiles, reiterating that, how much more will their fulfillment be? But I am speaking to you who are Gentiles, and as much then as I am an apostle of Gentiles, I magnify, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I mo- might move to jealousy, my fellow countrymen, and save some of them, why? For if their rejection be the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? That's what Peter is saying to Israel. Repent so that the time of refreshing might come. And so may we have a zeal. May we have a renewed zeal in 5780, in this new year, uh, to have a, a renewed zeal of bringing the good news of Yeshua to our people. Not uh, uh, in, in a way that, that people call proselytizing, that kind of thing, but telling our people the good news, that there can be real change when we embrace Yeshua, that he is indeed the Messianic King, and that, excuse me, we've been wrong. We were wrong about him. That's Peter's message <laughs> in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3. That's the message in Isaiah 53. That's the message in Zechariah chapter 12. Well, aye, 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 we were wrong. He is the Messiah. And that is our message. He is the King. And when we embrace him, we can have the assurance of the forgiveness of our sins and be empowered to live in a way that is empowering and, and full of uh, forgiveness and full of rejoicing in unity and humanity, what the world really seeks for. And so in this year, may we really have a zeal and a desire and an empowerment to bring this message to our people uh, and, uh, and truly see transformation. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, uh, we thank you for... Uh, uh, Shabbat Shuvah. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be reminded of our calling, of our, our calling to be a witness, of our calling to make disciples. Lord, I pray that whatever our uh, situation in life may be, I pray, Lord, that we might realize that whatever swirling issues may be around us, our primary calling is to stay on the Derech Adonai, to stay on your way and to always seek your face and to confess our sins, and to walk with you. And may you place in our way, in that derech, opportunities of testimony, so that we might see real transformation and changed lives all around, Lord. And in doing so, may that be revival. 
Lord, in you. And God, we pray in Messiah's name. Amen.